We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We thank you, Father. We thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Latusi pakando si talahai. Kambalo si kizuzi pragadayandos. Gambalis to susi palahandish to suza da handi girish to suka talahaya. Brandana mas to suzish in tuzi credelista. We thank you. Thank you, Most High God. Thank you, Most High God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The Christ conscious believer. This will make it part nine. So this week brings us to our fifth indicator of um, um, of the Christ conscious believer, and that and that is that the the Christ conscious believer appropriates, and this is very crucial, appropriates the rights, benefits, and responsibilities of sonship. The Christ conscious believer appropriates, in other words, takes hold of, masters, maximizes, harnesses, consolidates the rights, the benefits, and responsibilities of sonship. The Christ-conscious believer appropriates, I'm saying it for the third time, appropriates the rights, the benefits, and the responsibilities of sonship. Now, there's a few materials that you would need to listen to um, after now to to, to shed a lot more light on this. And the, one of them is Manifest Sonship. is also on the Podbean website. He swapped it, deals with that as well, the rights and benefits that you get as, as, part, as being a son. I Qualify is another teaching that explains that to you. Christ, our sufficiency is another teaching that explains that to you. I took time to deal with Luke 15, the, the, the parable of the lost son in that teaching, Christ, our sufficiency. And then also recently, attention, change of location is another teaching that you need to listen to. When you put this together, it, it drives home um, um, this, um, this, this point. But the Christ conscious believer are probably ultimate for the believer. Sonship is still pretty much the entry point of access into, into God's kingdom uh, as, as, as granted to us by the redemption plan. But we'll stay in sonship for now because it's a crucial element of our salvation. What it does is it changes the narrative about what you were. It changes the narrative about what you used to do. It changes the narrative about what, where you were accustomed to being and it flips the entire thing in favor of something better in favor of something you've never had before and having said that let's go to John 1 and 12 and this is very important this particular point is important I mean every point is important to be honest I keep saying that but if you notice I've tried to be systematic I've tried to take it step after step after step after step I've been I've tried to be systematic with this teaching and I keep emphasizing this is by no means an exhaustive teaching in this because literally is a culmination is just bringing together all that God has been using us to, to put forth over the past three years in this house, okay? So John 1, 12, let's get straight into it. John 1, 12, as many, actually, go, go, for, go from 11, just for, let's see what the, how the pretext puts it. It says he came to his own, and his own received him not. That's the old King James. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Um, um, but to as many as received him, to them he gave. That's past tense. 
He came to his own, referring to when he manifested as the son of God. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave Go switch to King James because that's this word. I, 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 a lot of people haven't thought about this verse in the light of this word, but I want to hear yeah. all uh, King James, KJV. He came unto his own and his own received him not, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. King James says that whoever, to those that believed him, to them that received him rather, he gave Power. Now, this is most people think about John 1 12 in the in the context or in the backdrop of power. But if you're being, I mean, if you're part of our local church, especially part of our discipleship and stewardship training program, you, you realize that in that last module, we took time to establish the power and the authority of the church. And I took time to explain to you the difference between power, dunamin, duname, dunamoir, and uh, these are the different varieties of the word power, and also the word exousia, right? Remember? for authority and, and and so you find out and and this and this I'm sorry for those of you that believe in King James so you and King James come a long way but unfortunately when it comes to certain English translations you must you must be able to refer to the original translation to be sure that English translated in in the way that the writers intended to translate it and as far as King James is concerned John 1:12 is wrong because John 1:12 in the King James says as many as received him to them he gave Power, the word for power in the Greek is the word dunamin. And that is not the word that is used for power in the original text of John 1.12. That takes us to New King James, which then tries to correct that and put the actual word that is there, not the word power in that sense. But John 1.12 then repeats it in the New King James and says, For as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I mean, it's already obvious the difference in the word power and the word right. Let's begin to pay attention to that because I, I repeat, the word power is the word dunamin or dunamis or dunamay, depending on the variation of what, of, of, of what is used. Um, um, so we have had that thing in the back of our minds for, for years. To them, he gave power to become the sons of God. The word used there is the word right to become children of God. Pay attention to that. What, what, what rings in your head when you think of the word power? What rings in your head when you think of the word right? Let's stay on John 1.12 and go to the TPT. The Passion Translation opens it up even nicer and sweeter. John 1.12 in the Passion Translation says, But to those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become children of God. Switch to the Amplified. John 1.12. John 1.12 in the Amplified. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 1.12 in the Amplified says, But to as, to as many as receive and welcome him, go on, he gave the right, and then in parenthesis, it says the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Can you see how crucial it is that we understand what a text is saying, especially from the original intention of the writer? So the word is power in the King James, and that's the word that everybody has gotten used to. But the word here is the word right. It's actually the Greek word used in John 1.12. It's actually the word exousia. That's interesting. 
It's not the word dunamin that is used. So to say power in that sense is a, a mistranslation. In the King James of John 1.12, the accurate word used in the original term is the word exousia. And exousia means right or authority or authorization to do something. So you can have power, but power cannot be applied without authority. It is authority that enables someone to do something. And I taught this when we, in, our, in our DSTP program, that you can have the ability to do something, but not have the authority to do what you are able to do. So authority enables you, and authority enables you to do what you have the ability to do. Power essentially is ability. The ability to do something. Authority is the enabling force that causes your ability to come to light. So you can have the ability to be a son of God. That's power. You can have what it takes to be a son of God. You doesn't make you one. So what he gave you was not power in that sense, but what he gave you is what? The right, the authority, the authorization. So what happens in the, at the redemption plan, what Jesus did for you was to take you from a position of disadvantage and equip you as it were to stand in for him in the earth as an heir of his. That's the word exousia. That's the word right. That's the word right. The word right is the word exousia. That's the word rendered. The word exousia is the word right, authority, or privilege. The authorization to do something is the word exousia, not power as in dunamin. So John 1.12 says, as many as believed, as received him, to them he gave the authority, the right, the exousia to become sons of God. Let's look at the word become. Because you see, a while ago, those of you in a local church, I, I mentioned something that I had seen online about somebody who said that you don't, you don't immediately become, you, you, to, to, to become means that you start off somewhere and then you eventually end up, you know, becoming. And that's, again, that's my problem with sloppy Bible studies. You pick one Bible translation, you read something, and then you just arrive at a conclusion, not understanding the original language in which the thing was written, what the author was trying to explain, and how there's other passages of scripture that corroborate that thing that is said by putting, applying the same word in the same context so that you can confidently say, well, this word was used like this, like that, like that, like that, and therefore, this is what it means. You don't do that. You just read the thing and come and go, yeah, well, yeah, we become because your English, English that came hundreds of years after the Bible was written. So English is an alien language as far as understanding scriptures are concerned. So if you will not do anything else when it comes to Bible study, if you will not do anything else, if you will not read commentaries, if you will not read lexicons, if you will not read Bible dictionaries, if you, if you will not do all of that, you would at least learn to refer to the language in which that thing was written. And then by the Spirit, by the Spirit's help, because he guides us into all truth, remember? He would take what is the Father's and give to us. And Jesus says, what is my Father's is mine. So he would take what is mine and give to you. He begins to unpack that in your heart. So let's look at the word become. The word become is the Greek word genestai. Genestai. G-E-N-E-S-T-H-A-I. Genestai, and then genestai, that's the word for become, right? Genesta itself is from a root, well, that's a Greek word, of course, is from the root word ginomai, G-I-N-O-M-A-I, ginomai. 
Genestai is from the root word in the Greek, ginomai, and that's the word translated in English, become sons of God. Now, I've taken time to explain the word right, right? Yeah. To them, he gave the right, the authority, not just ability as in dunami. Okay, he gave the right, the privilege, the authority, the authorization to genestai or ginomai. And the word, that's the word that's translated become. And that word in the, in the Greek means to come into being, to happen. To happen, to come into being. And it signifies, it signifies a change of condition, a change of state and a change of place. That's the word genestai. So as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to step into a change of location, a change of position, a change of condition, and to be, to happen as sons. Are you following this? Yes, That's the word for become. I'm taking time to break this down so you can understand sonship in its most full sense. That's the word. So to, be, to come into being, to happen, to become. It signifies a change of condition, a change of state, and a change of place. That's the word genestai from the word ginomai. And then it takes us to the next word. To become or to come into or to happen as, yeah? Or to come into being or to, to be changed in conditions such that you now are or to be changed in your position such that you now are or to be changed in your state, your makeup such that you now are and to be changed in your placement such that you now are sons. Of God. <laughs> such that you now come into sonship. Such that you now happen into sonship. Such that you now come into being in sonship. Such that your condition changes and introduces you into sonship. Such that your status changes and ushers you into sonship. Such that your placement and position change and usher you into Sonship and the word there for sons, of course, you know, in this house is the word technon, which is not gender sensitive. And it shows technon is actually uh, in the Greek refers to something that was produced as a consequence of somebody's offspring. So it's not just children, but children that are the direct offspring of the person that has brought them forth. Does that make sense? Now, against this backdrop, let's look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. Oh, I'm loving this. And I hope you're catching this. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. From verse 1 in the New King James, um, uh, 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 John the Beloved writes and says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Behold what manner of love, and the word there is the, the word for love, you know in this house is the word agapeo. 
and you know that the word agapeo doesn't mean feelings. The word agapeo means what? The preferences of the originator of that thing. So when God extends love to you, it's not just goosebumps or goose pimples or, or feeling nice and feeling psychedelic or feeling mushy. That's not love in the sense of God. When God commends his love towards you, God has extended his mind. He has extended his nature. He has extended his way of thinking. He has extended his way of acting. He has extended his way of of, of talking has extended his way of doing into your life. So when God commends his love towards you, it was a transfer of life. That's the word agapeo. So when you say, I love you, and I hope you're getting this tonight, it's not a word you use lightly. Because when you say, I love you, you mean that I am, I am I'm, I'm, I'm imputing, as it were, my preference to you. And what is my preference? Right from Jeremiah 29, God starts to announce it. I know the thoughts that I have concerning you. Thoughts of good. So what is God's preference towards you? Good. What is God's natural predisposition towards you? Good. Not of evil. If it is evil, it is not from God. God. Good. Evil. Devil. <laughs> just add a D in front of the evil and it's devil add an O somewhere in the God and it's good take an O out and it's God yeah right yes good and perfect gift comes from above from the father of lights in whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning so he, he, if love agapeo is his preference, his thoughts, his predisposition towards you, and we already know that predisposition, that his predisposition is, is good, and good in the Greek means that something is fit for purpose. Are you understanding scripture as I'm teaching this thing? So if you go back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, in the light of this, and it says, behold what manner of good thinking, behold what manner of the preference of God, behold what manner of the nice things God has in store for you, behold what manner of the privileges that God has added to you, behold what manner of the way God wants you to think and act and, and he has imputed that to you so that you don't have to struggle to do it. Behold what manner of, that's the word called love. It's not behold what manner of feelings. Are you following me tonight? It's behold what manner of, ex, of sentiments. Behold what manner of, of feelings. No, no, it's nothing, nothing to do with that. Behold what manner of love agapeo the father has bestowed upon us. The word for bestowed in the Greek is the word didomai, D-I-D-O-M-I, D-I-D-O-M-I, didomai. And the word didomai means to supply and to furnish you with. So when you get a house, you pay for the house, the house doesn't come with anything in it. Yeah, you, you rent a house and then you furnish the house. Is that not so? You buy a house and then you furnish the house. So, so the word bestowed is the word to furnish. So you come into something, behold what manner of da-da-da-da-da, what manner of nice things, what manner of good thoughts, what manner of preferences of God, what manner of all the disposition of God towards you that God has furnished you with. Yes, sir. As you came into sonship. Yes, sir. 
He began to supply. You didn't ask for it. You didn't apply for it. You didn't have to raise an impress or fill a requisition form. You didn't have to say, God, I don't have a bed here. I don't have a stool here. I don't have a, you know, he says, I know the thoughts I have concerning you. And because he knows the thoughts he has concerning you and his thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil. And good means to be fit for purpose. He begins to furnish you with all these things that are his predisposition towards you. He bestows on you, supplies and furnishes you with it. That we should be called. Ah, I love this one. Because again, I taught our guys in DSTP. The word called is the word kalio. Do you guys remember? Yeah. Ecclesia, two words, ek and kalio. And kalio means to be called out of. I like the, uh, another, another variation of the word kalio means to be summoned and to be named. To be summoned out of and to be named. Such that, so I one day I just woke up, I'm very good at stuff like that, and I just called him Teddy James in the more sessions, and the name just stuck. And the other day, Johnny came and I just said, Oh, Johnny baby, and the name just stuck. And when that happens, what, what has happened is a Kaleo. You have been named. Yeah. And wherever you go, the appellation that has been appended to you follows you. Does that make sense? So Esther's name is Esther, but we all call her Bew. Because when we met her, she, I don't know if she named herself the Bew or if she was Bewed by someone else. But we, as we have come in, you know, we know that she's a Bew. So we Bew her. Her sister, biological sister, we also met her going by the name or the appellation Cute Face. We don't know how she got it, if she gave it to herself or whatever, but we all call her Cute Face or Cutes. It's just what it is. Why Danny Bling adds sterling to his name? I don't know. He likes pounds or he wants to walk in sterling bank. I don't know what it is. But Hisha goes by the name Danny Bling Sterling. Otwekon, for many years, had bad intention in the middle of his name. I was always wanting to ask what bad intention was. But as 1 Thessalonians 4 says, minding your own business, I decided to mind my own business. And now he's changed the bad intention and has put M-S-U-G inside. And a few nights ago, I had to send him a text and say, this one, I'm going to ask you, what does this one mean? <laughs> and he told me, and, and no church, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> the point I'm making is that it is a name given yes, such that even if your name was something else, the moment you are Kaliod, it doesn't matter what you were known by. Yes, what you were Kaliod takes precedence over who you were. Such that when we see you, we know your name is Stephanie, but we would most likely be always inclined to just say, hey, cutes. Yeah. We know that your name is, is David, whatever. And we just know that your name is Sean. We know that your, whatever it is that we are, you have been Kaleo takes precedence over who you were. Hence, change of location, change of status, change of position, change of placement, to be summoned and to be named, to be given a name. And you know the word name is the word identity or authority. Yes, sir. A name is, a, is an, not just an identity, but identity and authority. That's what is in the name. 
So to them, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be kaliod technon of God. Mm. <laughs> that we should be surnamed, that we should be branded yes, sir. sons of God. So it doesn't matter what happened before then. By virtue of God's predisposition towards you. Are you following me tonight? Agapeo. By virtue of God's predisposition towards you. By virtue of God's good thoughts and preferences towards you. Agapeo. In such volume. He now decided to furnish you with all of them. Why? Because of your name change. As sons of God. Because of your being summoned into sonship. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. And that's fine. Now, see verse 2. Hallelujah. Now, see verse 2. It gets more exciting. 1 John 3 and 2. Beloved. Who is beloved? Those who have been extended the agape of God. Are you, are you getting this? Now, so that, so those, now you understand. So those who are around me, you understand why I use the word a lot. There's nothing more assuring than to say, hello, beloved. It's not beloved as in, oh, yeah, I feel good. No, beloved as the beneficiaries of God's love, God's agape, God's preferences, God's predispositions, God's thoughts towards you. And it says, beloved, now are we children of God? Does this answer that statement that somebody said in John 1 that, no, you don't become instantly. You know, you start to do things and do things and do things and eventually you become. Now are we children of God. The word now is the Greek word non. You know, like non, a Catholic non. N-U-N. That's the word for now. That little word, do you know what you know what it means? It means that just now, even now, just at hand, immediately, of logical con- con- conclusion, as this instant, right now, as the logical result of what precedes, now, in the light of what has gone before. Wow. So now, <laughs> none in the Greek, means that on account of what Christ has done, yes, 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 on account yes. of what has happened before, as the logical conclusion of what Jesus has done, which is why you need to be conscious about it because yes, if you're not yes. conscious about it, you cannot manifest it, you yes. cannot enjoy it. Now, immediately following what Jesus has done, yes. not following what you will do, not yes. following the act, actions you will do, not following the seeds you will sow, not following the offerings you will give, not following the, the, the departments you will serve in, but immediately following what Jesus has done as a direct consequence, as a logical conclusion of what Jesus has done, preceding as a result of what precedes. It can't be what you did. Ah, That's the word now. But you see, when you look at it in English, you just go now. And now in English is now. Just now. But it's immediately at hand. This instant, this instant as a logical result of what precedes, right now in the light of what has gone before. So our sonship is now. Our sonship is not what will be. Our sonship is now. 
When it happened was now. It didn't happen then. <laughs> when it happened was the now then. <laughs> and now that we're coming into the consciousness of it is the now now. Still as a consequence of what precedes it. That we are sons of God. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Actually, no, let's go Second Peter 1 and verse 4. Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Kosopratindiligesto shupratikala imbala kosoplikatitundo zubradigada haish ampala doso priganindo so sukalebra. Thank you, Jesus. Second Peter 1 and 4. Second Peter 1 and 4. Actually, you know what? This is good from verse 3. You know how it goes as, as his divine power has given us all that we need, um, all things that we need. Go on. That pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us. Called us, that's the word Kaleo, remember? Yeah. Called us by glory, doxa, and virtue, which have been, by which, is glory and virtue, Christ, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through this you may be the partakers of the divine nature having escaped the world through lust you become partakers of the divine nature and that's what sonship is sonship is you having the authority to think talk act like your father in the earth partakers of divine nature Sonship, therefore, bridges the gap between humanity and divinity. Do you understand? So you are, you are in the earth uh, uh, terrestrially, but you function from beyond the earth celestially. So you are a celestial now by your sonship, having a terrestrial experience. You are not a terrestrial a homo sapien on the earth who is trying to make heaven at the end of the day. Can you see where Christians have gotten this thing mixed up and confused? That you that started off, you started off as a spiritual and now trying to make a heaven that one, you are sat in, that two, is inside you because the heavenly places are in Christ. The location of the heavenlies are in Christ. And Christ is in you and you are with Christ in God. And then you start up and then you are trying to attain a so-called celestial destination that is implanted in you. That's how we've gotten things mixed up. No, you are a celestial being now by virtue of your sonship. Remember John 1.12? As many as received him, to them he gave the right, right? The authority, the privilege, the authorization to become sons of God. And I said the word technon is not just children, but children as a direct reproduction, right? The offspring of something. And who are you born of? You are born of God. You are born of incorruptible seed. You are born from the divine nature. 
and by virtue of that, you are now called to do what? Partake of the divine nature. You are called to partake of the divine nature. Can you say, I am called to partake of the divine nature? So I have attained the divine nature. Because you have. It's just a matter of you now becoming conscious of it. You have never been a normal person from the day you got born again. You have never been a normal person. You've never, you've stopped being a human being. You are now just having a human experience. But you came into the divine nature. Oh, my lago sukara. Do you know the, 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 what time is it? Oh, Jesus. You know the word, the word, the word for partaker. English man. The word for partaker is the word. Okay, let me show you 1 John chapter 1. <laughs> ah, Lord Jesus. First John chapter 1. From verse 1, I will <clears throat> I will I will focus in in verse 3, but I will read from verse 1. I like to I like to take my time and teach so you understand this. I'm not a preacher. I like to take my time line after line, precept upon precept, you know, so that you can get it properly. Hallelujah. Thank you. John chapter 1 from verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, and that's Christ, right? The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested in us. Now see verse 3, this is crucial. We're going to go back to 2 Peter 1 for in a minute. But look at this in verse 3 of 1 John 1. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. Okay? Now, if you're looking, if you're, wherever you're watching from, or look at me. The two words there, right? We declare this to you that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father now it will interest you to know the word of course the word fellowship is the word koinonia yeah, yeah? yeah. the greek word koinonia and of course you know what koinonia means mutual relationship mutual connection koinonia actually actually um it, it more it more depicts fusion like a fusion that cannot be ripped apart, a fusion that binds two people yeah. together, like some sort of, I don't know, interosmosis or something that binds two people together on a level that cannot be ripped apart. That's literally what the word koinonia means. So that's what is rendered fellowship, but it's fellowship in an interwoven, inextricable, like they said in Ecclesiastes, that a threefold cord is not easily broken. Yeah. You are interwoven and you literally become a part of that thing. You become an essential part of it. That's the word koinonia, right? Okay, let's go back to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, first, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It's the word koinonia. Yeah? 
associate, share, fusion with, you know. That's the word koinonia. Hallelujah. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through this you may be, and the word translated partakers is the word koinonia. The word translated partakers is the same word translated fellowship. <laughs> so I've, I've just explained to you what koinonia means. Lift that meaning and bring it into this text. That you may, you have been called to enter fellowship of the divine nature. You have been called to the place where the divine nature is yours to appropriate. The divine nature is yours to handle. The divine nature is yours to attain. The divine nature is yours to transact with. The divine nature is yours to maximize. The divine nature is yours to appropriate. The divine nature is yours to enjoy. The divine nature is yours to exercise. You have been called into koinonia with the divine. Such that your fusion with God is and therefore should be such that there is no difference because of your fellowship of God. That's what sonship brings you into. That's sonship. Sonship calls you into partaking of the divine nature, fellowshipping with God and not calling it robbery. To be equal with Christ Joint, do you, are you understanding scripture now? Yes. Romans 8, 17, I believe. Joint heirs of the Father and joint heirs with Christ. Joint, what Jesus has, I have. Where Jesus is sat, I am sat. What Jesus can do, I can do. Who Jesus is, I is. That is partakers of the divine nature. That's what sonship ushers you into people of God. So next time you say sonship, I hope you understand it now. When you say I am a son of God, I've been born again. I've been called into the divine nature. I'm not a normal person. I'm not a regular dude. I'm in fellowship with the divine nature. I'm in fellowship with the divine nature. I'm a celestial being having a terrestrial experience. I mean, spiritual, having a natural experience. And that's why eventually we will put off this body of corruption, put off this body of mortality, because it's not who we are. It's no more who we are. We are sons of God. We are sons of God, not by ability as in power. We are sons of God by right and authority. That's the beauty of sonship. Hallelujah. Now are we the sons of God. Ah. Oh my Lord. Now, 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 now. As a result of what has happened. Now. As a consequence. We are sons of God. Galatians chapter 4. When you understand sonship here. There's some nonsense you will not do again in your life. Because if you understand 
the privileges and the rights that come with sonship as well as the responsibilities, you'll never be irresponsible another day in your life. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Now that you understand what sonship is, right? Now that you understand what sonship is, look at Galatians chapter 4. From verse 1, my, I, I, need, I, I need 6 and 7, but again, just pretext gives us a good um, context. So we'll read from verse 1. Galatians 4.1, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he, this, the child, yeah, the heir, is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Verse 3, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, so can you see this now? We're under bondage, but now the fullness of time, this is the consequence, this is what happened. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Hmm. That we might receive the adoption as sons. So when John says in 1 John 3 and, and, um, and 1 John 3 and 2, now, and we said now the word none yeah, is yeah. as a result of what has happened. Can you see that now in Galatians 4? Yes, sir. Verse 5. Go back to Galatians 4, 5. I want, I want to bring something there before we proceed. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And the word adopt, you know how you, sometimes when you think of uh, adoption in uh, some of these things in English, uh, the word adoption is the word heothesia. H-U-I-O. H-U-I-O-thesia. T-H-E-S-I-A. Heothesia. That's the word for, for adoption. And here, it's, it's, it's actually referring to being drafted into the divine family. Not just adoption in the legal sense of, you know, going from here to here, but in the sense of being drafted into divinity. Heothesia. That's the word. Adoption. And it, it, it's, it's different from English adoption because in this case, it actually means being made into a son of God. Not just um, our Holy Spirit help me to drive this home. So, um, okay, at the core of genetics, at the core of biology, at the core of science, they don't understand adoption. Adoption is purely legal with no other consequence beyond the rights and privileges that are accorded to you as a result of that legal transaction. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? That's not the word heothesia. Heothesia in the, in, the, in the sense of when God says that he adopted us. It's in the sense that God took you as the person that you were before, smashed you up, grinded you into the cross, mangled you with the blood of Jesus, and then out of that sacrifice produced a brand new son that is no different to Jesus. Such that, such that when you stand before God next to Jesus, the DNA is the same. Yes, sir. 
There's no difference. No difference. Everything about you coming into sonship now is exactly consistent with everything that makes Jesus his son. Yes, sir. No difference. Everything changed. You are not brought in like you were, you were adopted from some motherless baby's home. You know, and then we change your name and then we just, oh, have mercy. And then we just change you around. And, and, but you know that your skin is different. You know, you're, it's like a black family adopting a white kid. Or, or, or vice versa. Or vice versa. And yes, you are adopted legally, but nothing changed in your internals. No, 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 not, not Huthasia. Huthasia means that God took you as you were, crushed you down, killed it, and brought a brand new son that is no different to Jesus. That's what makes you partake of the divine nature. That's adoption. Do you understand it now? Galatians 4, 5. We're going to 6. I'm interested in 6 and 7. So you understand this thing when we get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Galatians 4, we're going into verse 6 now. And because you are sons, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Can you see that? So the spirit that is in your heart is the exact spirit of his son. Yes, sir. In your heart, crying out, Father, Father. Abba means Father. Seven, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Then, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Go back to verse six in the TPT. Thank you, Father. TPT, Galatians 4, 6. And so that we would know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts. Moving us to cry out intimately, my father, my father. Verse 7. Now, as what none. Yeah. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we are His, we can access everything our Father has. For we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. Because we are sons, we can access everything our father has. I don't know about you, but if I have that kind of check, I intend to cash it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
If I have that kind of access, I intend to maximize it. That's why I taught you in this house. I said, you thank God better by using what he gives you more. Using it more. Using it more. That's you showing gratitude. That's you showing gratitude by drinking forgiveness. Drinking righteousness. Drinking justification. Drinking provision. Drinking supply. Drinking manifestations of the supernatural. Drinking praying in tongues. Drinking healing the sick. Drinking appropriating healing and health for yourself. Drinking wisdom. Drinking the force of God, drinking the glory of God, radiating the glory of God, manifesting the glory of God as you, that is you being grateful. Yes, sir. Because you are now in fellowship with the divine nature. I, I, I don't understand why you will understand this and remain disadvantaged. You can't. You won't be disadvantaged again if you believe this. If you receive this. Ah. We are not slaves, we are sons. We are in the divine nature. We are in the divine nature. We are in, because we are in, we are the divine nature. Do you understand? Your nature has changed. Your nature has changed. You are the divine nature. And you begin to take authority of every circumstance in your life and begin to impose your divine nature upon it. And that includes weaknesses. That includes the things you're struggling with. You begin to impose your divine nature upon it. Those are the rights and the privileges of sonship. With rights and privileges also come responsibilities. Now, a lot of times with us, we don't want to think of responsibilities. Jesus came and he's walked. He said, I have one assignment to do the will of my father. Sons in the divine nature have only one agenda. God in Christ manifested through you. So by the time you become, by the time you become divine nature, your one agenda is Christ on display because you have become the divine nature. That's why Ophiong said that one of Paul's recurring narratives is, do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? The moment you become God, your one agenda is thy will be done. You then become, you see, it is servants that chase after the will of God. Sons know the will and become the will in manifestation. So that's what gives sons the authority to rule over servants. Because servants don't know the will of the master. Do you, do you understand? You wake up in the morning, the servant, you, you have to tell you, okay, this morning you are going to cook, uh, you are going to cook uh, for lunch. Is that not so? And then you now start running to the market, you know, trying to buy stuff. And then even that afternoon, by evening, you still don't know what your madam is going to eat for night food. Is that not so? Yeah. She will now tell you she, she wants um, afang soup. With periwinkles, you have to you have to go to beach market and go and buy catfish. And then by tomorrow morning, you, you can't tell. 
you can't as a maid or as a domestic worker in your in madam's house or your ogre's house, just get up and decide for the next one week, I'm going to cook afang vegetable rice. Try it. <laughs> Why? Because you are a servant. Servants do not know the will of their master. So we must be careful ourselves as well when we keep calling ourselves servant of God. Mm. You know, we, we are tr- trying to use it to form humility. Yeah. I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of God. No, no, no. Scripture didn't say that. Scripture said you are a son of God. It says you are a son of God now. He says you're no longer a slave. You are a. If God wanted no. to call you servant, He could have called you servant by Himself. No. Uh, yes, sir. But in when He was prophesying of Jesus, He spoke of Jesus as servant because in His servitude He brought you into sonship. Yes, sir. So Isaiah says, "I've I've anointed my servant." Jesus came as a servant. That's why he told the disciples, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. John 13. He came as servant to bring you into sonship. You're not a servant. So servants don't understand the mind of their father, of their master. So servants have to wait periodically for instructions. Instructions. Day-to-day instructions. But a son in the sense of Euthesia, in the sense of divine nature of God, in the sense of the spirit of his son has now entered you. Galatians 4, 6. In the sense of eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it come into the mind of man. First Corinthians 2, what God has in store for them, but love them. But he has revealed them to us by the same spirit that has now come into us. And that spirit is the spirit of sonship. Which means that now we know the mind of the divine nature. And because we know the mind of the divine nature, we don't wait like servants to ask God, 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 God. We just go out there and just manifest the divine nature. Because in your manifestation of the divine nature, you you know that God is pleased. People can look at you and see your actions and see your, your, your speech and see everything about you. And they know that they contacted the divine nature. Because the divine nature is resident in you along with his proclivities and predispositions and thoughts that have now been bestowed upon you, furnished upon. Are you following this thing systematically now? And that's where responsibility comes in because with every right and privilege includes a responsibility. My son cannot take my car and go and smash it because he has the right to do so. I also will not entrust to him what he has not established the capacity to handle. Even if he has the exousia to handle it. And so as a son, you begin to manifest the will of your father. You begin to manifest the will of your father. What is the manifestation of or the responsibilities of sonship? My message over the past years until Jesus returns or calls us home is one. I'm sure you know by now. Everything wraps around each other. And the one phrase that encapsulates the responsibilities of sonship is the phrase, kingdom cultured. Because the son of God, in the true sense of the phrase, is a kingdom cultured person. 
What is the culture of the kingdom? That's what I was going to show you guys in Romans 12. And I'm referring you to that, that series, Journey Through Romans 12, part one, two, three, and four. Go and listen to it. It's on there on Podbean. Journey Through Romans 12, part one to four. That was exactly the text that Ikori came and read from verse nine to 21. Let love, let's go to it. Hallelujah. I manifest the divine nature. The divine nature is natural to me. I don't know if anybody out there is repeating what I'm saying. But I manifest the divine nature. I am in fellowship with the divine nature. I, have, I, I wasn't just translated from one sonship to the other. I'm a totally new species of sons that never existed before. I understand the mind of Christ. I have the will of the Father. I know the mind of God. And I manifest that in my life. I manifest that in my life. Romans 12 and verse 9. I will just read again what Ikori has read. And then if you're receiving this by the Spirit of God, that which is the Spirit of Sonship, then it begins to prompt you. I said the proof of knowing that you received any word is that it prompts you to act on it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Somebody say that's what sons do. Abhor what is evil. You know what? Let's leave New King James. Put up, put up the TPT. Put up the TPT. I manifest the divine nature. I manifest the divine nature. Romans 12, 9 in the Passion Translation. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Somebody say that's what sons do. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Somebody say, that's what sons do. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. And the church say, that's what sons do. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Because that's what sons do. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. That's what sons do. Because you see, this is what it means to manifest the divine nature. Yes, it means that you understand and are extending or you are bestowing or you are supplying the agapeo that God has commended towards you. Do you understand that now? Yes, sir. So when you say love your brother, you understand what love is now. Yes, sir. And if that's the divine nature, because God is love. It is his nature. God does not love in that sense. God is love. And then everything else is just an outflow or expression of the love that God is. So love is the divine nature. And so now you that are in koinonia with the divine nature, what do you do? You love without hypocrisy. It's just a son thing. Love is not reward for performance because you didn't get it because you performed. So why do you want somebody to perform nice before you give it? Let's talk now. Let us reason together. Oh, she's not deserving of love. He's not deserving of love. Were you deserving? Have you seen Romans 5 8? That God commended, God discharged his love towards us in this manner. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So love is not reward for good performance. Love is an extension of the divine nature because that's what Sons do. Sons love without hypocrisy. Sons love strong. Sons love hard. With no strings attached. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. 
No strings attached. Go back to verse 10, Romans 12 and 10 in the TPT. Makasu blade handilis. 10, 12, 10, 12, 10. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. So picture, now, let, me, let, me, let me paint a picture for you and, and I hope that you get this. Picture that folks came to Jesus and left worse than they were when they came. Do you see any such record in scripture? No. Now Jesus said that because he's going to the father and Alos Parakletos is coming, he said you will do much more. That means if tax collectors came to him and they were touched by his love, and if prostitutes came to him and were touched by his love, and if publicans and Sadducees who were sad, you see, and Pharisees who were far, you see, could all come together and get a dose of the agapeo of God, if you are going to do more, then at least you should have covered all these people in your love walk and more. How much more, brethren, Adelphos, in the same household as you? You have no excuse not to, or to take a break from manifesting the divine nature. Everybody should leave you better off than they met you. But somebody is happy and they come to you and you infect them with the virus. You have now become a walking <laughs> pandemic. You have become the pandemic. Because that's not what sons do. Sons are transmissions of the divine nature. Encourage somebody. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Edifying the hearers. That's what sons do. Not cause somebody to have a complex. Not cause somebody to have inferiority. Cause them to doubt who they are. Cause them to... That's not what sons do. Sons exhort. Sons encourage, sons comfort. Romans 12, 11, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping passion toward him boiling hot. Somebody say, that's what sons do. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit because he has filled you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in time of trouble. Commune, koinonia, with God at all times. And we can go on and on in Romans 12. You can study that later. Let's go to Ephesians 4. The kingdom culture is the responsibility of sonship. The kingdom culture is the responsibility of sonship. A servant can go past and see something and feels like he has no stake in it. A son knows that he has a stake in this. This is his inheritance. Yes, sir. He should fight to preserve it. Yes, sir. That's the responsibility of sonship. Ephesians 5.25, we'll just probably stick to the TPT. So, so it says, so discard every form of dishonesty and lying. So that you will be known as the one who always speaks the truth. For we all belong to one another. 
Isn't, doesn't that sound like what sons should do? Go back again, 25. Discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you'll be known as one who always speaks the truth for we all belong to one another. Keep going. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. That's what sons do. 26 again. If this is not practical enough for you, I, I don't know. Don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, Diabolon, an opportunity to manipulate you. If any one of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. If any one of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. If any one of you stole something, never do it again. Now, please note that these things are not being asked of you to justify you. I mean, in this house, you know that enough by now. But there are things that are expected of you as an outflow of your responsibility of carrying the divine nature. Yes, sir. Hey, we'll come back here. Mark the scripture. Let's go to Titus 2, Titus 2, 14. Titus 2, 14. We'll come back to Ephesians 4, 20. Titus 2, 14. He sacrificed himself in the TPT. I know he didn't sacrifice himself in the TPT. Do you understand what I mean? Do you understand? It's not in the TPT that he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed himself in the cross. Do you understand? But when I say that, I'm usually saying that I am reading in the TPT that he sacrificed himself. Do you understand? Because I was, I was going to correct and say it. In the TPT, he sacrificed himself. But no, that's, <laughs> that's the same difference. Right? So, as the TPT puts it, you get it. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself, look at this, a people who are his very own, look at the last phrase, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Redeeming you, drafting you into the divine nature, brings out of you a people passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. How does the NLT put this text? He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Totally committed. Put it in the Amplified. Let's, let's look at a few, a bunch of scriptures. Translations. Who willingly gave himself to be crucified on behalf, on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from weak, all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. So here's the hallmark of his son. The hallmark of his son is that he is given to good things. The son of God, one who is manifesting the divine nature, is given to good things, is predisposed to doing beautiful. You, can't, you cannot make, create an excuse to not do good. Mm -hmm. 
as a song. There's no excuse. You can't find one. You shouldn't be able to find one. It's not a matter of convenience at this point. It's a matter of what you cannot help because your nature is the divine nature. Your nature is the divine nature. It's just what you do. You are enthusiastic to do what is beautiful, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. Are you getting this tonight? Let's go back to Ephesians 4.28 and let's wrap, wrap it up. Hallelujah. When 28, we're looking at the responsibilities of sonship, right? If anyone of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning and honest living, and then you'll have enough to bless those who are in need. Because that's what sons do. 29, 29, 29. Listen, and never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Don't let hateful or ugly words come out of your mouth. But let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. And healing all those who were oppressed. Why? For God was with him. He did good. The hallmark of the ministry of Jesus was that he was always found doing good. So there, son of God, the hallmark of your ministry is not in speaking in tongues. So. The hallmark of your ministry is not in when we are praising worship. You now enter, fall under the chair, scatter. Oh, some of you in your lifetime, you have broken more than 100 chairs in different churches. A drunkard will go into a, a, a beer parlor and he will break a chair and they will, they will hold him and say, you must pay. Is that not so? Mm. But then because, you, because it's church. <laughs> you just be going from church to church, program to program, revival to revival, and all you're doing is just falling and breaking chairs. Because that's how I will look at you as your pastor. Eh? After a while, I will call you and say, sister, please come. How many chairs did you buy in this church? How many chairs have you broken in this church? Now, when you're coming to church, bring five chairs or six, the one you will sit on and the ones of people around you. If you want to make them of titanium or make them of palladium so that you can break, the, or the chairs will break you. Now, listen to me. You know me. I am a firm advocate that there is no human being according to physics, that is a good conductor of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when the, when the charge of the manifest presence of God passes through you, I understand that too. But I'm saying to you that that is not the hallmark of the divine nature. The hallmark of the divine nature is that people leave you better than they met you. Are you listening to me? People leave you better than they met you. That your, your speech is seasoned. You know seasoning. Food is bland without seasoning. You've tried to cook rice where all you have is oil and salt. You know what I'm talking about. You first try and fry the oil so you can reduce that thing, that, that thing, that rawness in the palm oil. Fry it for a bit just before it starts to burn. Then you now put, put salt, manage some onions. You're not sure what you're eating. You're not sure what you're eating. 
That's what food without seasoning is. And that is what a son of God without sweet words is. When you speak and all you, all you do is to make fun of people, all you do is to insult people, to talk down on people, to cast aspersions to them, that's not what sons do. Sons of God edify. Sons of God encourage. Sons of God build up. Oikodomo. Build up. Let's go on. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to finish. Go on to 31. 31. Ephesians 4.31, lay aside bitter words. Lay aside bitter words. Lay aside bitter words. Temper tantrums. Me, when I'm angry, nobody can hold me. When I'm angry, I'm angry. Why did you allow me to get here? It's what you said now. It's how you said it. You said, if you know that you don't like my anger, why did you let me get angry? Yeah, baby. You're a servant, you're not a son. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You don't know the mind of your father. Like Ophiong said, do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? Why are you behaving like a servant? Are you a servant or a son? Why if you're a son, why are you behaving like a servant? Just, just leave me. Leave me. And when you're angry, nobody can, there's no limit to what you can say. You know there's people like that? There's no limit to what you can say, no limit to what you can do. When you're not finished, you're not coming and say, I want to take it back. How can you take it back? <laughs> Lay aside bitter words. Tamper tantrums. Tamper tantrums. Tamper tantrums. Tamper revenge. Keep going. Profanity and insult. Profanity. Swear words. Cussing. Only you alone will hear all the profane words in the world from your mouth. Sons of God don't talk like that. Mbok. We don't. We don't speak profanities. We don't. 32, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. People should find safety with you. People should find peace with you. People should find accommodation and tolerance with you. People should be comfortable around you. Has God graciously forgiven you? That's what he asked them in 32. And he says, then graciously Forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. I mean, I could stay here for another hour or two and continue to talk about this. Ephesians 5.1, the entire chapter of Ephesians 5, from, 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 from um, Ephesians 4.25, right through to the end of Ephesians 5, is just dealing with kingdom culture, responsibility of sons. Be imitators of God in everything you do. For then you will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. Be imitators of God. Sons take responsibility for their father's business. Nobody needs to tell you to wash your father's car. Nobody needs to tell you to clean your father's equipment. Nobody needs to tell you to look after your father's house because you know that what is your father's is yours by virtue of the access that you now have, remember, according to Galatians 4, 6, and 7. But a lot of believers don't take responsibility for anything. Listen, let me tell you why. Because Christians are only wired to do something when they feel like there's immediate benefit for them. There's hardly, you find most Christians that are sweeping church and all that, some people are believing God for something. something, That you are hinging that service on. Does that make sense? 
your sweep. Father, as I sweep. Father, as I serve you. So that's why when you start to pray, you start to pray like the publican. Father, I've been doing this for six years. Father, I've given. No. Sons take responsibility because they know the mind of the father. And they know that what is their father's is theirs. They know that what is their father's is theirs. When I traveled around in ministry with my dad, my, my, my spiritual father, and you're watching him, you know, and we're, we're, and we're there. And then I used to wear a lot of waistcoats like this. I, I liked wearing waistcoats because I, I sweat a lot, so I didn't like to wear suits, you know. So I wear waistcoats, and then, and then the man is dressed in a three-piece suit. And then we'll finish ministration. Me, I'm wearing waistcoat that a tailor sewed in the back of my house. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tailor sewed it in the back of my house. The man is wearing Italian cut bespoke suits. And then we'll close from a meeting. And people are talking and greeting and all that. And we we are trying to form men of God, boys of God. And the man will stand there with his suit and carry his microphone cable, carry his speaker cable. The hub now, our, our studio here is all flawed and everything, vinyl wood floors. I'm talking crusade, do you understand? Outside. And the man will take his cables and start to fold on his suit. Cable after cable. Meanwhile, he is folding across his sleeve. And then we who are wearing 2,000 Naira with school will now hold the cable like this. <laughs> Because you don't want to stain yeah. yourself. You see what you're doing? That's a servant mentality. <laughs> because if you're following a man that you're hoping to be like, mm-hmm. the least you should be doing is imitating exactly what he's doing. Yes, sir. So one day, I woke up and I advised myself. This is my suit. 2,000 air suit. If I continue like this, I will never wear a suit that is bespoke. Yeah. That the suit can pay for my house rent for six months. Don't dream of it. Because responsibility opens you up to capacity. Yes, sir. So everything is yours in life. Everything in God you have access to. But the manifestation of it in your life is directly proportional to your level of responsibility. The manifestation of it. The manifestation of it in your life. You have to take responsibility. You have to take responsibility. You have to pay attention to what is your father's. Pay attention to his people. Pay attention to his work. Pay attention to his church. Pay attention to the structures therein. Pay attention to leadership. Pay attention to ethics. Ethics. If you're giving 30 minutes to minister, minister for 29 and get out of the way. So Holy Spirit didn't do anything. 29 minutes is the 30th minute that your own Holy Spirit wants to flow. That's not what sons do. So we pay attention to ethics. We pay attention to the culture of the kingdom. We take responsibility. We are imitating our father. We are proud enough to say, look at me. Follow, follow. Look at me. Copy, copy. Look at me. I'm following. Because what is my father's is mine. And it's not going to spoil on my watch. Mm-hmm. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's not going to go bad on my watch. 
It's not going to be talked down on my watch. I'm responsible for that which is my father's. If you get this concept, you understand the rights, you understand the privileges, and you understand the responsibilities, your entire life will change. Because you have the divine nature. You're not a normal person. Like Ophiong said earlier, the things that we get caught up in are things that we get caught up in according to that scripture because we forget that we are no longer in those things. Do you understand? You're no longer in those things. You're no longer in those things. It's like going to want to wear a pair of shoes that you don't remember you, threw, you gave away. Or you're looking for a shirt. You're looking, has this happened to anybody? You're looking for a shirt and you, you, you don't remember that you have given the shirt out. And that's why you remember, oh, oh yeah. And that's why it's important to be Christ conscious. The Christ conscious believer appropriates the rights, appropriates the privileges along with the responsibilities of sonship. Listen to me, guys. You are a son of God. If you received Jesus, you are a son of God. There's nothing you can do about it. Even if you don't behave like it. Receive sense tonight. <laughs> Even if you didn't understand it. Even if you didn't see it the way you are seeing it now. You are a son of God. You have always been. Now it's time to begin to cause your actions to align with who you are. Now that you're coming into the consciousness of it. Now that you're coming into the consciousness of it. Let your, let your lifestyle begin to be an expression of the divine nature. Because you are fellowshipping in the divine nature. You are the divine nature embodied in a person having a natural experience. You're a spiritual being. Encourage yourself. Fire yourself up. Fire yourself up. Fire yourself up. Walk, stare up the consciousness of God on your inside. And you see how your life takes on a different level of spice, different level of seasoning, different level of quality, different level of beauty, different level of radiance, different level of glory, different level of impact, and therefore different level of fulfillment. You know, some fulfillment that you're looking for in life you will not find until you're doing the divine nature. Until you see smiles on people's faces that you know that by the grace of God and by the help of His Spirit, Spirit are smiles that are on their face because of the instrumentality of your yieldedness as a son of God. There's a level of fulfillment that comes with that that nothing can equate. Hallelujah. Before we go, just take a few seconds and just, just confess something. Whatever it is you want to say, I, I am a son of God. I have the divine nature. I walk in love. I walk in love. I forgive easily. Just say it. Just confess whatever comes to your heart. I forgive easily. Forgiveness comes natural to me. I love without hypocrisy. I manifest the divine nature. I appropriate the, benef appropriate the benefits of sonship. I maximize all that is mine in Christ. In the name of Jesus, I am fit for purpose. I am not disadvantaged. I am not disadvantaged. I am not disadvantaged. I am conscious of who I am in Christ. I leave, I leave people better than I met them. People leave me encouraged more than they came. I'm a life giver. I'm a, I transmit the supernatural.
I walk in the fullness of supernatural manifestations. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just open your mouth wherever you are. Just make those confessions. Make those confessions. Hear yourself. Faith comes by hearing. The hearing that you are speaking. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Hallelujah. Jintikabalos <laughs> Thank you, Most High God. We walk in the fullness of our sonship. I manifest the character consistent with sonship. I speak as is consistent with sonship. I act as is consistent with sonship. Along with enjoying as is consistent with sonship. I take advantage of everything sonship brings me into. Take advantage of the access I have to the mind of the Father. Take advantage of the access I have to the things of the Spirit. I take advantage of the power that is available to me, the exousia, the authority that is available to me. I take authority of the healing and health, the supply and the abundance, the wisdom of God, the grace of God commended towards me, the love of God furnished me with. I leverage it all for life and godliness in the earth. I leverage it. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Woof. All right, guys. We, we have to go. I trust this, this has been helpful. Um, I've always said over and over, the proof of receiving the word is that it prompts you by the Spirit of God to act on it. This is your marching order. This is your marching order. Bring out everything, sonship that is on your inside. You were huge, the seer into sonship. You were totally brought about as a brand new son that never existed before. You were exactly in the image, likeness, and, and comportment, the same composition as Jesus. You can't think any less. You can't speak any less. You can't act any less. You can't be any less. Walk in that understanding. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.